Welcome to Taiwan War 29 on Kung Fu Wonder Child and the Legend of All Men Are Brothers. And just before the making of the Child of Peach, actress playing a boy, Lin Xiaolu, got to try out playing a boy with magical powers in a different movie. And that is in director Lee Chonam's Kung Fu Wonder Child. So you gotta bring out your Taiwanese bingo card for a movie like this, because this one ha- will have a nice song, uh, some pee, uh, some pooing faces, uh, energy bolts, and more. So uh, you're gonna have bingo. Taiwanese bingo w- within like two minutes, uh, which is great. It's a vintage Taiwanese cinema, just the way we like it. Also, the characters of the water margin fights people in wheelchairs, drunks, transvestites, and a worm-infested zombie. The classic Chinese novel gets weird in the 1984 movie The Legend of All Men Are Brothers. I'm going to be here with me to walk down our preferred paths of Taiwanese cinema artistry. Is the multimedia man and author Todd Statman. Hello. Hey, Ken. Yeah, you aren't kidding. These are weird ones, especially The Legend of All Men Are Brothers. Which was uh, your blind watch of this one? I know you've seen Kung Fu Wonder Child before, but uh... yes, I have. I've and I've watched it just this morning in preparation for this podcast, so I'm fresh and and full of vim and vinegar, mm-hmm. and no desire to uh, <laughs> throw yourself in uh, throw yourself uh, in uh, like a poo pile like in these movies. Like uh, uh-huh. they haven't uh, influenced you that that way. Kung Fu Wonder Child is more of a piss movie. And the legend of all men are brothers is full of shit, literally. And that's uh, the Taiwanese cinema artistry we like indeed. Yeah, Let's definitely. get uh, going then, uh, some uh, brief contact information uh, where we also do our plugging. So we're going to check in with uh, Todd and how's it going on the old book front, if you will, or whatever front he wants to plug. It's got um, uh, many irons in the fire. Okay, I'm going to try and make it quick as usual. On the book front, I... Um... I finished the third novel in my trilogy of SF punk mysteries. It's called Never Divided. And yes, that's inspired by the Sham 69 song, If the Kids Are United. And it should be coming out in uh, July. My blog, 40K, just celebrated its 10th year online, Mm -hmm. which is very exciting. Congrats. Thank you so much. Uh, and then I just wanted to talk about my podcast, which is about to post its 16th episode. It's called Friday's Best Pop Song Ever. Which is a spinoff from the blog. Yeah, I, it was a feature on the blog where I just post a video of a favorite pop song every Friday. So now then on the podcast, I take one song and I really go to town on providing context and background information and sort of my own experience of it, analyses. And also what I'm very proud of, it's a very short podcast. The longest episodes are about 15 minutes long and some are as, as brief as eight minutes, but I don't think there's, you know, you could binge the all 16 episodes in an afternoon. So, you know, I don't think all podcasts need to be, as long-winded as not as ours. I think ours is pretty good, but as some others I've been involved in, let's say. Yeah, I I, I kind of agree. I I like a podcast that's um, it, like you gotta be good at banter for me to stick with you for one yes. and a half hours, two hours, three hours. I, I listen to a few of podcasts that are like that, but uh, otherwise, I I if if I were to listen to a movie podcast. 
I would rather have something so- somewhat focused, structured. It w- with- Short and sweet. I mean, I think the longest podcast you and I ever did is the one about Little Hero. Because we kept saying, Master, 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 Master. <laughs> <laughs> well, we both obviously love that film a lot. For sure. So. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, uh, all, all uh, Todd's plugs uh, are going to be in the show post. So uh, hit him up. Send him a congratulations for, for uh, uh, reviewing cool and weird cinema for uh, for 10 years, plus um, posting about music and stuff. Uh, did, 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 did you do a breakdown in terms of like w- in which country or territory, uh, uh, what country or territory did I write about the most? Because you, you're quite predictable on the blog. It's not just Taiwanese. You know, I know where most of our the readers come from. Most of them come from uh, the U.S., but Pakistan is the third, and India, I think, is fourth. We have more readers from Pakistan, which explains why Hasina Atom Bomb, a Pakistani movie, is so frequently the most read post. So if you check out the blog, I did sort of a count. Not really a countdown, but it was sort of a, a a look back every day for a week until the anniversary. I posted a different review from the blog's first year. So it's a lot of the stuff I did. You know, it's stuff like Magic Lizard, sort of the classic, the classic 40K post. So it's kind of a fun read. Excellent. Well, uh, happy to see it uh, going on, and uh, you're doing it on your own terms, and uh, it's all it's all fun and good. So, yeah, haven't sold out to the man yet. Haven't had any offers from the man either. So (laughs) maybe in year eleven, it's gonna happen. Right. Uh, for all the rest of the contact information about Taiwan or go to podcastonfire.com for our back catalog of shows. But we also produce other shows on Hong Kong cinema, Taiwanese cinema, as I mentioned, Korean cinema, Japanese cinema. And we do bonus episodes every now and again. There's plenty to choose from a, a major back catalog over there. If you have any questions or feedback on this show or anything else uh, you want to talk about, hit us up podcastonfire at googlemail.com do the same over on the old social media websites facebook we have a page you can like we have a group you can discuss in and we have tweets that you can follow i uh, have written for over 10 years but not uh, with as much uh, quality of course as 40k but i have oh, written no nonetheless over on sogoodreviews.com so uh, uh, i i don't know my demographic as such um uh, but i know my focus uh, is uh, like it's taiwan hong kong sometimes you know taiwan mixed with ninjas and uh, whatever comes to mind in a way too so uh, there's a thesis behind it so uh why not so uh, uh that makes me happy to sort of do do, do a focused effort i'm re-reviewing some stuff that i just wrote about like, like a paragraph about so i'm re-reviewing shaolin invincibles oh I, I look forward to reading that because i i, I kind of want to sit down with shaolin invincibles one it's the it's the one with the gorillas so oh god yeah that movie needs a lot of unpacking and even though we've done it orally here on the show, I, I, I want to sort of challenge myself to see. Speak for yourself. <laughs> A-U-R, get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> but I kind of want to challenge myself to see if uh, you have, uh, as, as a writer, amateur writer, have like three or four paragraphs in you and um, uh, a way to break down the movie in writing. So um, I'm going to do that because any excuse to watch the Shaolin Gorilla movie, I'll uh, grab it and grasp it. Uh, yeah, 
which is a much better movie on second viewing, as I remember it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it the second time I watched it. It, it. it doesn't just have an out there element. It's actually a solid movie all round, considering the genre. Absolutely. Yeah, in fact, probably that element sort of takes down the movie a little bit, but still, it's 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 notable. It's noteworthy. And uh, at any rate, it's so goodreviews.com. That's my website. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and uh, uh, listen to us on Apple Podcasts and stream us on Stitcher Radio and a variety of different podcatchers. Let's uh, get into it. We have some mild information uh, attached to the reviews, but uh, not a lot. Uh, some of it is um, uh, some refreads of uh, who the players are behind these movies, but nothing extensive. We're going to get into the review very quick. And the first review is of Kung Fu Wonder Child from 1986. And because Todd is a writer, and I am not, he has been tasked with uh, providing the plot synopsis for the movie. So what is it about? A rogue holy man, played by Li Hui-Hing, ensconced within his creepy graveyard lair, is accumulating all kinds of arcane magics toward unknown nefarious ends. Do you like how I said magics? I really want to say that. When the priest suspects a gifted young village boy, Su Chen, played by Lin Xiaolu, of stealing some of his tricks, he dispatches his ghoulish minions to take care of him. Meanwhile, Xu Chen encounters Hai Chu Si, played by Yukari Oshima, a girl whose father and sister are being held captive by the priest. Joined by Xu Chen's grandfather, Hua Wan, played by Jack Lung, and the requisite pair of bumbling disciples, they set off to confront the evildoer. Uh, all right, this is scripted by the director of The Thrilling Sword, which is a fun fantasy movie, and directed by the ever-so-dependable Lee Cho Nam of Challenge of the Lady Ninja and Shaolin vs. Lama fame. And uh, Lee pops up tons of times in Taiwanese cinema across kung fu and fantasy genres, but uh, was a versatile and fine working director, and continually working director. And, I mean, it's, it's an extensive filmography, so obviously there's going to be uneven movies there, but... Um, it was also surprisingly solid, and he worked outside of the studio system mostly, and just kept grinding and uh, made you know, movies that uh, you know not only were fun but were respectable. But uh, what was respectable was obviously the working ethic, and uh, that led and paid off uh, in the form of genuine kung fu action and fantasy classics. Uh, because uh, you actually are surprised how solid movies like Fatal Needles versus Fatal Fists. Uh, how solid a movie like that is but uh, obviously he's behind fan favorites such as The Hot, The Cool and The Vicious from 1976 and the mentioned 1983 movie Shaolin vs. Lama. I, I think he bloomed in the 80s personally when he worked with more colorful materials such as in his uh, his dual ninja movies with the same cast and crew The Challenge of the Lady Ninja and The Life of Ninja. It really was an example for me where the hard-working Taiwan crew came up with creative ways to depict ninjutsu for the screen, and also in an energetic way. It wasn't uh, sluggish or anything. Uh, he also made uh, movies uh, such as sort of frenzied Taiwanese fantasy, uh, not epics, but uh, efforts uh, such as Magic Warriors. He co-directed Magic Warriors, which is often either The Child of Peach 2 or 3. Lee Chonam is, um, is still working. Uh, he had a 2015 mainland China movie out called uh, Goddesses in the Flames of War. 
and uh, then again, some titles, and this is so true of Hong Kong Movie Database, some titles just seem like they're announced titles, and they're in the database, but some of them weren't actually made. And I, I don't remember now because I don't have the filmography in front of me. Maybe Goddesses in the Flames of War was amongst the ones that were listed in the last few years, but it wasn't actually made. But some of the movies from the last few years were made because there are plenty of stills and people have identified who plays what and so forth. But it seems like when all is said and done, Lee Chonam is working in the mainland now, but uh, he's under the radar. He's not uh, He's not uh, bringing in the box like, uh, like a Wu Jing is doing with uh, Wolf Warrior 2 or what have you, so... We talked of the star of Kung Fu Wonder Child, uh, playing a boy, uh, Li, uh, Ling Xiaolu, and uh, I'm glad to say she's a fan favorite. Uh, yeah. You know, those who seeks out or stumbles upon her Taiwanese filmography really take a liking to her. And uh, yeah, th- there's not a whole lot of info out there or, or anything sensational, but um, we, we had some help back in the day, and I want to credit her again. A, f- a friend of the show, Sylvia Roram, uh, dug up some info on her and translated it for us. And uh, Lin Chao Lu was born in 1967, uh, gradu- graduated from a school of performing arts and made her film debut at a very young age in the movie The Orientation in 1980, which got her a Taiwan Golden Horse Award for Best Child Star. So a breakout acting performance before she got known for being in these fantasy movies, which is um, a cool trajectory, really. Uh, And it really is that movie, The Child of Peach, that we have talked of. That is the one that stands out amongst moviegoers, as uh, she is referred to in articles as number one peach girl. But uh, if anything, now that she's a little bit older, she's also, uh, or she can be referred to as the great aunt Peach. Uh, She has been, uh, at any rate, uh, when we um, did that research, it seems like she's been focusing on TV lately. Um, Her last film credit is actually 2004. uh, So she's a continual presence in soap operas. And um, How many films outside this kind of crazy Taiwan fantasy genre did she make because i feel like at this point her filmography it's like there's few duds you know you can you know whether it's peach kids films whether it's this movie where whether it's magic warrior you're guaranteed you know insanity huge 80s hairstyles synth pop sung by children it really, i mean i've seen a few modern efforts but they were still sort of made in this frenzied way and they didn't have special effects necessarily but uh, a wonderful movie that i want to bring to the show eventually called a heroic fight is a modern day action piece it's a comedy she plays a member uh, of a family of uh, stunt persons and they use their wits to uh, defeat the bad guys using stunts and what have you. It's all well, good. That sounds great. It's all good Is she fun. playing a, a a female in that movie or a male? Might have been a female in that movie, but still <laughs> looked like Lin Shao. Tough to say. So, uh, Kung Fu Student was a movie that did use special effects, but um, and and had supernatural stuff. But it was in the modern day at the very least. So every now and again we get that stuff. Uh, but uh, if if one looks at the filmography, it seems like after she found, uh, you know, Kung Fu Wonder Child and onwards, these were the kind of movies she happily, uh, she, she was, was happy. This was her niche. Indeed. And uh, it must have worked out and uh, generated box office to a degree. 
Japan was a good market for these kind of movies. They were very open to the Hello Dracula movies, for instance. I can just imagine that Japan is a surefire bet, so just send it to Japan, it might work out. And who knows, she might have had a following in Japan akin to the little girl in Hello Dracula. So. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think this movie, seeing as it also stars Yukari Oshima, wasn't she, I mean, was Yukari Oshima not a star in uh, in Japan? I don't know of her credits prior to, um, but but she started out in Taiwan and then brought, oh, branched, out, uh, branched out to Hong Kong. Uh, uh, started out in Taiwan in action movies akin to what she did in Hong Kong. So it wasn't this uh, strange section of her filmography, even though Kung Fu Wonder Child Ken, is... Ken, you f- did your homework. You shame me. I watch too much crap. That's what I do. <laughs> and I don't watch enough. Um Okay, I get it. So all the girls with gun stuff came after this. That was more in the 90s, right? Exactly. Uh, Angel was the movie that Yukari Oshima broke out with, and this was uh, the year after Kung Fu Wonder Child. So she she branched out, uh, met up with Moon Lee, and started kicking all kinds of butt. And uh, we were happy as one can be seeing that happen. So. At any rate, uh, to end the uh, notes on Lin Xiao uh, uh, Liu, uh, she took a brave personal step in 2005, rather, as she publicly announced that she'd been raped uh, eight years prior. And she did this in support of fellow actress Bai Bing Bing, whose daughter was kidnapped and raped. So um, she uh, uh, stepped out there on the media stage. So, um, uh, so that's obviously brave. And uh, hopefully she shed some demons in the process. Yes, hopefully so. I didn't know that. So let's uh, move on to um, happier things, I suppose. Uh, Talking of the Kung Fu Wonder Child, uh, this is my second viewing, so let me get my brief opinion out of the way first. It's review-proof, really, (laughs) because it has everything I like, uh, technically, and uh, the content that makes me entertain watching these special effects movies from Taiwan, mainly aimed at children, all of that is here. Granted, it's not as as sharp as Charlo Peach. Technically, it's a little bit more sluggish and gets stuck on some pretty extended and sometimes poor comedy for large stretches. But all is forgiven when it kicks into high gear with the wire-assisted action, the energy bolts, and the special effects, and all of that has a snap and a pace, and uh, it's uh, just uh, all-round good fun. It might not be a classic, but it's a hell of a good time. So all all good in my eyes. So. In in short, what do you want to say about the Child of Peach? This uh, rewatching of it. Um, well, I'll say that I have so much affection for this movie that in the interim between my first and or whatever my last viewing was, probably like my fourth viewing and my latest viewing, I forgot all the things that I didn't like about it. Mainly the two, um, you know, like so many of these movies have the bumbling disciples who are like, "Master, master, I'm afraid." excuse me that see it made me gag a little and maybe the characters in these movies will as well they might be puking (laughs) or pissing for no reason because yes there's a lot of pissing there's a lot of naked male buttocks too if you're into that and i'm telling you that one that one disciple his buttocks were pretty shapely anyway yeah they're really annoying and they were in the movie a lot more than i remembered them being so that was an unpleasant thing other than that, I have, like I said, I have a lot of affection for this movie. It has its flaws. But, yeah, once it gets going, it is just hysterical. 
and dazzling um, and and technically pretty proficient. I mean, I thought a lot of the effects are inventive, you know, like the best Taiwan fantasy movies. Um, even when they're kind of weird, there's a giant fanged worm that looks like a big pipe cleaner and uh, it looks like a giant crab louse. It's, it's, it's obviously inspired. You're reminded that this movie is from the 80s a few times, um, but there's a part where there's a a sort of a crab monster that affixes to the wonder child's face. It's totally an alien quote. And there's another point where they make, I don't know if this is just in the dub version, but they make a Rambo joke too. Uh, yeah. Someone refers to someone named Rambo. So I was, uh, I was saying to myself, yep, this was dubbed in 1980, you know, six, six, literally or seven, who knows? <laughs> Uh, it, it didn't take ten. It didn't take ten years for this to go on export. Uh, it uh, it uh, had a market outside of Taiwan, which is um... well. Yeah, I could see it because I mean, obviously, well, like all these films, it's not obviously a children's film. You would think it's a children's film, but then there's things that you wouldn't think would be in a children's film, like all the peeing on on people and people being peed on. You know, I would argue that's the children's stuff, but maybe the male male nudity and the scary monsters uh, that that's not for children. But the, these movies were never one note in that regard, and I think they very much knew that. Uh, yeah, the kids can take it. Our kids are tough. Yeah. Well, yeah. My favorite example of that is the scene where they um, what's the guy the the bully the master they. They basically beat him unconscious, and he's lying there. A German shepherd walks over and pees on his face. Yep, because, <laughs> because comedy. Yes, because comedy. Because that that is funny. I know funny, and a dog peeing on an unconscious man's face is comedy gold. It got me uh, uh, right into the uh, into the uh, to the right mood, literally. And the cheery theme song at the top of, of at the top of the movie that gets repeated twenty times. Hopefully, you're going to include that in the episode. I will because uh, that's uh, that's very much eighties. It's very much this movie's uh, bread and butter to provide a cheery soundtrack. And uh, I, I was slightly worried that Lee Chonam was displaying all his creativity in the first two minutes because he opens strong uh, the uh, the wire action and uh, you know is very strong and uh, you got this sort of deadly cloth that's wired up you know and uh, it's set on it's set on fire there's laser effects on the soundtrack energy bolts coming out of performers energy bolts are sort of streaming out of performers uh, because they they are hit with it and uh, or, or he obs- uh, he absorbs it uh, I'm, absor- I'm absorbing effects uh, and you get brightly colored facial hair. So this is how you set the stage and how and where you show that you are technically able to craft energy. But I, I was worried that like Lee Chonam, you are doing it too fast, man. Like spread out your stuff. Thankfully, that was not a true worry. But I was like, everything is here. It's great, but everything is here. And it's, it's 88 minutes left. So what are you going to do? I agree. This has everything I love in Taiwanese fantasy movies though i will say this was one of the first crazy taiwanese uh movies i watched like probably about 10 years ago and it was one of the first sort of um cult 
items of this genre that I would hear about. You know, people would talk about Kung Fu Wonder Child as being this crazy, crazy movie. So it was one of the first things I heard about. Teleport City used to have a forum. Remember those days? I remember the forums. Yeah, there was a thread about crazy Hong Kong movies. And it was like all about movies like uh, Thrilling Sword, Kung Fu Wonder Child, you know, Shaolin Drunkard, all those movies. And I remember like just writing all those down. It's like, I'm going to see all of these. And that's kind of how it started. Well, they, they, they are sort of fetching titles, you know, other than, you know, Shaolin Invincibles that we mentioned, which sounds so neutral and generic, which, right. it, is, which it isn't. The, some of these titles have fetching titles like Shaolin Drunk God, Kung Fu Wonder Child, Frilling Sword. It has something descriptive rather than, uh, you know, Revenge of the Shaolin or something like that. I, it almost pains me to say it, but this... I mean, this movie is super entertaining. It's very fast-paced. You're right. There's like a little the long years due to the um, the terrible comic relief. But I mean, when the fights come in, it's very exciting. Though, if you're not a fan of wire work, you might not think so. Well, well, well. It's the fantasy genre. I mean, you shouldn't expect something grounded anyway. And uh, you you have to remember also that well, this is technically achieved by skillful cast and crew and it's not done by bored filmmakers because you would have uh, the only reason I say it's slightly sluggish is that I I can notice that something like The Child of Peach has a slightly more frenzied energy this has a slightly less frenzied energy but that's not uh, going from you know great to bad it's just slightly less some of the wire scenes especially involving Yukari Oshima are beautifully done you know they're almost balletic you know Um, and she's wearing her flowing white garb it's really unusual to see her in the wuxia setting you know but uh, yes. you you're so used to see her kicking ass in contemporary setting but right. they don't they still have her kick a lot like the only grounded action really comes from yukari oshima so so it's not uh, this um widely different and strange view of her because she does a lot of you know kicking <laughs> so I, I i do want to single out even minor moments that doesn't seem that, that doesn't seem like it's technically accomplished you, you know it's stuff like with with Yukari Shima kicking this uh, tree branch into a vampire that's trying to attack her and uh, we which all looks fairly goofy but I I think it's a combination of and why this movie works is that technically they are able to uh, uh, achieve this and they also are able to achieve an established tone, uh, even if that tone is immature, like the one of the hopping vampires <laughs> slips and ha- and falls face first into poo, and it might not be high art, Todd, but in the case of this, it's for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I I get it. Uh, the one thing that has to be spotlighted in this movie, though, is the end where there's i mean would it spoil it to talk about the dragon that happens at the end yeah go for it man um at the end there's this cell animated dragon that appears and it's really well done you know especially for what you expect from a sort of low budget time movie the animation is really well done and the integration of the live action and the uh the animation is very well done. It's a very exciting scene, and it's also something you ju- that just totally comes out of left field. 
because there's also a lot of practical effects, a lot of really gooey, you know, uh, prosthetics and stuff like that. So this was like it provided a real bang at the end. Very satisfying. I very much agree. And by that point, you have forgotten what you disliked, as we talked about. And uh, yeah. there, there was a lot of things that were unclear about how, what the sh- what the students, le- they're not Shaolin students, I think, but regardless, it seems like all of these students, they, they're doing cheerleading chants, they're doing the robot, and they're, <laughs> they're transforming cucumbers to eggs, and I had no idea what this sort of school's skill set were. Yeah, and the joke was that all of them had big cucumbers except for the two goofy guys had little pickle sized ones yes it's annoying but for sometimes with movies not always Todd but sometimes with movies you add up the elements and and wave you know the likable versus the unlikable and this never really it never really grated at me like certain Hong Kong martial arts movies tend to do you know when especially certain performers these were performers I didn't know of they weren't terribly annoying but they weren't funny either but there was enough enough of a mixture i suppose and certainly the appealing right presence sort of, of like a recipe it's like you know a little dash of that a dash of this if you balance it enough it it won't capsize the whole movie and that's the case here and i'll admit there were a couple times i laughed you know because the the adults get beat up a lot they end up getting kicked in the chest over and over again and they you know, and they're very acrobatic. They end up getting kicked, and then they do. I mean, they're probably stuntmen that they had, but mm. the characters, they mix it up. You know, they're not just on the side going, I'm afraid. You know, that they do kind of get pushed into the fight, and they usually get their butts kicked, but they're at least actors. Because they're providing a. Um an expected recipe of sorts in terms of what you have to fill the movie with. Nothing needs to be misunderstood. So therefore everything is super broad. The physical comedy and expressions, they need to be uh, overdone. And uh, because, because you, you got to reach your audience and you know, within all of this, you have uh, our female lead, uh, uh, Lin Xiaolu participating in this, in the sort of old martial arts trope of, someone lowly observing uh, the skills that the martial arts school teaches in this case she has picked up magic off screen but she has picked up magic so you you recognize the structure you gotta get over one little hurdle though is the fact that Lin Xiaolu is uh, dubbed by a man but with a high-pitched voice because everything everything is confusing Yeah, I'm a I'm a boy, and I, I but they're, they're, I'm obviously an actress, so I need to the English dubber that we bring that's in. That's it. That's the voice. That's it. it. They they don't they don't go they don't go camp or gay or anything. But it's not like, hey, I'm Su Chen. <laughs> don't do that. They don't uh, butcher up or anything. Lin Xiaolu is an incredibly appealing actress too. Yeah, really likable. You know, she's uh, never. She's never, if my memory is correct, asked to participate in the typically broad because they realized after a while or from this movie onwards that you put her at center playing these characters out of fantasy. And uh, yeah. we, we can do so. We, we can do something more fantastical with that rather than, you know, just throw a lot of pee pee and poo poo humor onto her, you know. Yeah, she's kind of like Buffy in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She's at the center of all this madness and all these really 
over the top characters and she's sort of the nexus point you know but she's i mean throughout this she's like the the do-gooder i guess you know and, and you, the, really the confirmation that she she's not going to be as annoying as the as the bumbling fools is the scene where she's with them but she throws this uh, parchment with uh, magical writing on it onto the uh, butt of a woman who then behaves like the parchment dictates and i i just find it kind of infatuating the way her uh, reaction is as an actress she isn't uh, a third stooge if you will she's kind of she's directed in a different way she performs in a slightly different way that's just uh, just appealing it, and it's charming. almost like she was directed differently which makes sense you know but uh, as we said uh, p- part of the problem is that it holds back the wuxia stuff a little but um yeah still when you get it it's uh, it's all fun it's not massively refined or groundbreaking in terms of special effects which i think the child of peach actually forwarded a little bit i think uh, for taiwanese cinema the child of peach is uh, a little bit of a high water special effects extravaganza mm-hmm. yeah because if you look at it like the reactions of people in that graveyard being drained and uh, they have their mouth open like ah those were actually pretty you know scary i mean i imagine you know that was a very eerie visual of them like going oh they're in these giant urns it's very nightmarish they're you know in the evil sorcerers just draining them of their essence of course with hand projected lightning bolts but still there's this green aura around them and they're oh you know they're obviously suffering maybe later now was going for that a little bit more maybe that was why i felt it was slightly more sluggish than than something yeah. else and and maybe it's foolish to compare to anything else because this is when all is said and done very fun never boring we never feel frus- frustrated and you you get enough visual and verbal cues for this uh, for this to not be frustrating and uh, even when comedy is built around uh, the wuxia stuff itself it's still creative ideas especially when it is part of fantasy and there's a skill set needed in order for this to feel energetic because sometimes you forget todd even i do this is filmmaking man this is filmmaking it this requires preparation execution and post-production if it doesn't work it's gonna look like crap it's gonna no, feel I refuse like to believe that kung fu magic child was not completely improvised <laughs> no I, 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 I just, just make up your I energy just. bolts on the fly <laughs> right exactly including the cartoon special effects so you know, sometimes I I I don't know if the, these movies, when discussed on forums, ever got a bad rep as just what a bunch of Z grade movies. But you you gotta give props to the filmmaking here because, especially when it comes to the uh, the energy and how a movie like this moves, I think is really underappreciated sometimes because um, you you don't make frenzied stuff easily you know when Choi Hak brought out Sue and uh, opened up the floodgates in terms of those kind of movies that no that's not easy and uh, you you can't just look at your videotape of Sue and get away with it making it uh, you know know yourself you got to you, you you got to add to that yeah Sue sets a very sets a very high bar for craziness too and fast-paced craziness 
and 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 Shaw Brothers at this time as well. I mean, uh, I, I I know we mentioned Holy Flame of the Martial World a lot, but I just recently watched Bastard Swordsman. Wow! 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 Yeah, that, that is <laughs> what an, the heck? That was one of the first ones I heard about too. I think Keith at Teleport City recommended that one. Same same director of uh, Holy Flame of the Martial World, actually. So. Oh yeah, I love Holy Flame of the Martial World. It's so good. But uh, just to round off my notes here, uh, there, there are some practical effects, that we, as we mentioned. It's pretty cool to see Jack Lung performing as, you know, sort of the Lam Ching Ying at the altar, you know, playing with fire. And uh, there's reverse footage of the magic paper landing on whatever recipient he's uh, throwing that magic paper on. And um, the timing of uh, how they use they, their powers when pyrotechnics, pyrotechnics is going to go off when smoke is going to go off in the ground and the effects are going to go into that afterwards. All of that is good. And uh, there's not a single thing to complain about other than the fact that I was kind of creeped out about the uh, extra head that grows out of uh, the villain's head. I uh, love that. Did you notice that its mouth moves? Oh, my God. That's nightmare fuel. Don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Now you'll... Now you have nightmares about it. I thought that was very impressive. The tiny little head sprouts out of the bad guy's forehead and it's talking as he's talking. And my final note is that this movie has a constant bed of electronic sounds and uh, synthesizing music. And it's also, it dictates mood very clearly when we're going to feel sort of, oh, and when we're going to feel like it's exciting. And then when we're going to go, oh, again, it's... There's a lot of that stuff, it's too. It's very predictable. It's almost like, cue yes. it up. Now, remove it. Cue it up again. Remove, <laughs> remove it. And, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know how much of this is stolen or anything, but it's certainly a um, a uh, a constant bed of uh, music to keep us entertained as well. So it's never right. quiet. And that's kind of what marks it as being a kid's film, because it's kind of like kid movies. You know, that kind of silly. It's silly extra head on your forehead or not it's silly yeah exactly exactly <laughs> that was creepy i'll i'll admit that was very creepy it, it, the movie surprises me at a few points you know there's things you it's not predictable as far as what's going to happen next and i i appreciate that because so many movies are so predictable and if you ask me why I watch these kind of movies, that's largely why because they show me things i have not seen before you know, <laughs> so I have not seen a, a little head sprout of a guy's forehead that moves its lips as he talks. And now I have. And now we have that on our Taiwanese bingo card as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> bingo. You wonder sometimes. I would love to see sometimes behind the scenes footage of the, this kind of stuff because making, you know, such varied content and content that's high mm-hmm. in volume must be sometimes really fucking boring because you have little shots of the little shots and then wire stuff that needs to work and everything needs to cut together, you know? And then there's things like that happen that don't really need to be fantastical. Like the fact that the big showdown that, um, you know, the hero has, uh, is takes place in this miniature castle and she has to shrink herself down and that's the fight with the crab monster and the big worm with fangs. And you can see the wire of the worm with fangs as well, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, an obvious puppet, yes. 
this giant worm is not real i would recommend this movie highly even because it's uh it's, it's a nice introduction if you if you get them with the child of peach and wh- why not throw this at them second you know yeah i guess child, i would recommend child of peach over this but i would say if someone was wanted to an introduction to kind of crazy time yeah if you want to just jump in on the deep end i'd say child of peach yeah do it and that's uh, really uh, the end of my notes. So before I do the availability section, any other highlight you want to talk of? No, I think I'm. I think I'm good. I really, I really enjoy this movie, and though it has some flaws, uh, overall I like it, and I would recommend it to people. You know, like as to the forums, people who tend to complain about these movies tend to be like the martial arts purists. You know, who just want to you know, see really authentic looking fighting and stuff like that. That is, this is not where you go for that. You can find that in other sections of directed Lee Chonam's filmography. Yes. And, uh, and, and also you, lighten up. Otherwise the, the extra head on the forehead is going to eat you if you don't behave. Exactly. Don't eat me. All right. As for availability, I'm not 100% sure of a UK DVD from 55th chamber is official but it does feature the letterboxed english dubbed print and there seems to be no other version on disc other than a thai version you uh, um, mentioned before recording Uh, but i don't know if that has the same specs i letterboxed and english dubbed or not yeah i actually am holding it in my hands right now um i can't even tell what the label is is it looks like i can't it says 199 i don't know if that's the (laughs) price or the name of the the company it's in thai so i can't really read it but it's a it comes in, it's a it's interesting it comes in it looks like it would be a vcd but it's actually a dvd but my i will say that my copy sort of let me down i ended up watching the wu-tang collection version which has all that great dubbing in it and no uh, introduction from the Wu-Tang Clan like on some of these uh, discs and tapes. Uh. Yeah, ODB is nowhere to be found. Actually, I have, I've never seen that. Do the, the, do the members of the Wu-Tang Clan actually introduce the movies? Well, they, they placed sometimes something before the movies, whether it's, whether it's them talking of specifically the movies or just promoting something. Maybe they're playing a music video. Don't know. We made a record that cost a million dollars and the biggest asshole in the world bought it. (laughs) (laughs) Who's now in jail? So there it is. Who's now in jail? Thank God for that. The 55th Chamber DVD, regardless, uh, is available cheap on the Amazon Marketplace in the UK, so you can get this movie. Go get it, have fun. In the meantime, we're going to take a short musical break, and after that we'll be back to review a sort of similarly crazy movie, uh, The Legend of All Men Are Brothers. It doesn't sound like it, but it turns out crazy eventually. So sit tight, and we'll be back after the break to review it. Welcome back in the second review of this episode, Unconnected Movie, other than the fact that it's 
as fantasy elements I suppose it is the legend of all men are brothers from 1984 and uh, we got some background but uh, first of all Todd let's uh, talk a little bit about what this movie uh, is about and what viewers can expect from the legend of all men are brothers well let me say something before I do my plot synopsis I pretty much came to this movie cold which because I did something that I hate when other people do it because Ken wrote a wonderful outline and which I didn't read before I saw the movie, and he provided a lot of context that would have been very helpful for me. Go, go, <laughs> uh, and th- and this film is, it's not really based on the Water Margin, which is a very famous Chinese novel. It involves characters from the Water Margin and certain plot beats, and certain plot beats. And if you've seen The Water Margin, it was one of Shaw Brothers' more ambitious productions. It was very sweeping. I remember when I saw it that it has these Leone-esque moments where they'll freeze on a new character and, like, have a subtitle saying who they are. But the thing about the film is it introduces new characters from its first minute to its last. Even as it's ending, they're introducing new characters. Fucking exhausting. So my brain went, too many characters, by. So I ended up watching it in sort of a state of incomprehension because it just unfolded in this very, for me, in a very confusing way. Cut to the present day. So I start watching The Legend of All Men Are Brothers, and it's sort of the same thing. There's all these characters... Seems like it introduces a lot of characters. There's a lot of, you know, masquerading and people mistaking each other for each other. It might come become sort of obvious from my plot description that I didn't really have the reference points of the water margin that I might have had had I read Ken's wonderful outline. Good save, because uh, I was ready to pounce on you. You didn't read it, but it was wonderful. Well, that's good, huh? He's such a cruel taskmaster. Yes. Um, so you want me to roll with the plot? Thank you. Uh, please, uh, please do. Let the listeners know what to expect from this uh, massively, possibly massively confusing time or massively epic time. So, Okay, I think this first uh, sentence gives you a good clue. Old Lin comes upon hulking fighter Ru Da, played by Lam Kai Man, taking a dump in the woods and entreats him to join him in a visit to his son-in-law, who is nicknamed Stingy for reasons that will become obvious. Ruda, whose appetites are four times that of a normal man, proceeds to eat him out of house and home. After three days of this, Stingy convinces Ruda that he should travel to the Temple Haiyan and become a monk. A well-placed jump cut reveals that Ruda has taken that advice and is now an avenging monk who writes wrongs in his own thick-headed and often absurd manner. When a man comes to him complaining that a local magistrate is trying to marry his daughter against her will, Ruda masquerades as the girl and delivers the unwanted suitor a savage pummeling in the bridal bed. <laughs> that sounded so rude. A savage pummeling in the bridal bed. <laughs> well, yeah, that's kind of how they cover it because people are watching. It's like a covered bed. So, like, people are watching thinking they'll see some hot action. And they're hearing all ooh, ah! And they're like, wow, they're really going at it. When Gao Yane, the lecherous son of Grand Marshal Gao Qi, 
reveals to Rudolph that he is in love with the wife of Garrison Commander Lin, played by Tian Peng. Rudolph tricks Lin into going to the subterranean lair of the evil lord Bai Lu, who has him arrested for trespassing and sentenced to prison for 10 years. Lin tells his heartbroken wife not to wait for him and encourages her into the arms of his rival. Lin's wife commits suicide, and Gao Yanye, worried about how Lin will react to the news, dispatches wave after wave of assassins to the prison to do him in, as you do. These fail, leaving him to engage his nuclear option, a quartet of, quote, weirdos, unquote, of a man in a wheelchair, a drunk fighter who sleeps in a wine cask, a transvestite, and a worm-infested zombie. Classical Chinese literature. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I will extrapolate on the worm-infested zombie later, but I just figured we could leave it at that. Uh, so yes, despite the finale that involves, well, I don't know, alien puppet, alien monster. We'll get to that and other colorful characters and fighters. The movie's main characters, the main two characters, uh, you know, the champagne character, the Lam Kai Man character, they have roots in, in literature, as we've uh, said, because um, and, and, and that literature has been transferred to movies and even TV, and its basis is the water margin, which uh, has also been translated into English um, in the, as the title All Men Are Brothers. And the water margin is considered one of the four great classic novels of Chinese literature, along with uh, Journey to the West, uh, The Plum in the Golden Vase of Oz, which was later adapted for movies too at Shaw Brothers, first of all, as Golden Lotus, and also um, about eight years ago as Forbidden Legend, Sex and Chopsticks 1 and 2. Water Margin is essentially the story of 108 outlaws gathering at Mount Liang to form an army. So maybe in the Shaw Brothers movie, they, they made it their mission to have all of them on screen, 108 of them. So, Yeah, kind of. Yeah. They are granted uh, amnesty by the government and sent on missions to fight off foreign invaders and rebels. So obviously there's a rich character gallery and stories to pick on uh, and to pick from. Uh, so, so as for movies, uh, Shaw Brothers drew from the novel for several productions, such as uh, Water Margin and I'm in the Camp of Todd. I saw it. Could not put together a coherent sentence about it because it just felt like characters, 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 characters. Over. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. Yes, exactly. If you like character introductions, you'll love this movie. <laughs> a world record in character introductions. Yeah, then the I think end. so, probably. Uh, also, apparently, I haven't seen these two. Uh, the movies Delightful Forest and Pursuit from Shaw Brothers um, drew upon the water margin. And in uh, the 90s, Waifu era, 1993's All Men Are Brothers, Blood of the Leopard, was uh, brought uh, to uh, the market. Um, and I, I have some minor notes on that. I, I'm not sure I want to return to the Chang Chia movie Water Margin because I just feel like now that you've confirmed my memory is correct, like what's the purpose of watching something that chose everything rather than a select few some things from Water Margin? You know, it, it sounds like a very ill ill decision to just um, you know why, why not do five movies instead? You know, right? I kept thinking pick a lane while I was watching it. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. I, I was bored by it, to be honest. 
uh, really felt uh, left out and knowing nothing of the source really but maybe that wouldn't have helped uh, in the case of the water margin from show brothers yeah yeah uh, the 1993 movie, uh, All Men Are Brothers, and our Taiwanese movie at hand here, The Legend of All Men Are Brothers, do share at least two characters, though. And that is the General Lin Chong and the monk uh, that's referred to in the novel as Lu Chi Chen and uh, here as uh, Ru, as well as, you know, Lu. So it's just uh, different variations of the names. Uh, story beats uh, surrounding them in the novel uh, covers their chance meeting where they become sworn brothers. We don't see that here, really. No, we don't. Uh, it's really fast-tracked, their story. It's yeah. much more involved, as a matter of fact, but not that incoherent. Uh, Lin Chong, uh, the, the general, or uh, he gets involved in a dramatic plot involving the lecherous fo- uh, foster son of Grand Marshal Gao Kui, uh, called Gao Yane, and this the movie covers really incoherently though. Uh, but that uh, lecherous foster son, uh, he wants Lin Chong's wife badly at any cost, and uh, despite keeping his wife safe, Lin Chong doesn't file any report to the government, and hence that harassment continues. One thing that really confused me about the movie is that Ruda and Lin become friends. I mean, they fight side by side at the end of the movie, but we don't meet Lin until I think it's Ruda that tricks him into going to, you know, the villain's palace and being. Um, so I'm not. It's not clear to me how they became allies. In uh, in All Men Are Brothers, the 1993 movie, they they are allies earlier in the in the story, and I don't remember him fooling him into going to that place and being arrested if that was the case then he was deceived himself but i don't remember that beat from the 1993 movie but uh, uh, what does happen is that he gets fooled into buying a precious sword and then unknowingly enters a top secret meeting where weapons are forbidden so the grand marshal's men capture and imprison lin chong suspected of wanting to assassinate uh, the uh, lecherous foster son's uh, you know uh, yeah father that well that sounds a lot more prosaic than what happens because the scene where he enters the the secret lair of what is ever his name Bailoon or something like that is very much a fantasy sequence you know the, it almost looks like the lair of the sorcerer in uh, Kung Fu Wonder Child. So it's a bit vague, vague in the Legend of All Manner Brothers, all these uh, various uh, plot beats. That's why I wanted to um, talk a little bit about them here. Uh, after his uh, capture here, uh, he is sentenced and exiled to the city of uh, Kang Chao, and on the way is uh, tortured by the guards working on behalf of the Grand Marshal. And at one point, the monk uh, Ru Olu enters and prepares to take revenge on Lin Chong's tormentors, but the general stops and defends the men as merely following orders. The monk afterwards uh, follow along uh, the path to the city he's exiled to, Lin Chong, and he ultimately ends up in prison, but through befriending a nobleman, he's given money to make his life in prison more bearable, and all this leads to the monk being an outlaw for having offended the Grand Marshal, and which leads to him befriending further characters and bending together with them, and Lin Chong mm. eventually joins up. And this you can extract quite clearly and um, in a coherent manner if you do watch the 1993 movie All Men Are Brothers, Blood of the Leopard, which is a Hong Kong movie starring uh, Tony Leung Ka-Fai and Elvis Choi, 
as uh, the monk who was nominated for a Hong Kong Film Award for his performance in this movie. It's a very loud and broad performance, but he's uh, got the physique for it. Uh, Isn't there an earlier Shaw Brothers version of that same story? I don't know if they ever specifically focused on this story, to be very honest, because the water margin, if, if it even featured these two characters, it can't have been for extensive stretches or anything. No, uh, but but the, this movie, uh, All Men Are Brothers, Blood of the Leopard, it's it's fun because, it yes, it's comedic, but being from 1993, it's also very wild and wire-resisted and uh, a lot of fun. And uh, Joey Wong, I believe, plays the wife. So you got some, um, you know, uh, fe- fetching casting choices as well. So so, so it's a lot of fun. So uh, if uh, that sounds interesting, I would be happy to share that movie with you because uh, that one does it in. It really covers those beats quite uh, firmly and even uh, in a coherent manner. Plus, it has the wire-resisted... Uh, action that the 90s was known for so as for the legend of the old men brothers to me it looks like if i do my short opinion here that the makers were really psyched to do the crazy last 22 minutes so even though this movie doesn't feel complete it feels like they just threw in some water margin stuff as vague glue for their ideas to make it seem more tony a little more upscale (laughs) And then they went. And then they went drive-in movie bonkers at the. And and, and really, their ideas work. Uh, the more water margin stuff, not so much. But obviously, it's a it's a fine watch once you get to the hour mark and you forget all about the water margin because the makers have as well. <laughs> what I'll say about this movie is what really get me on board with this movie is I think that the actor Lam Kai Man and both the character the character Rudah and the actor Lam Kai Man are very unusual ones to center a film around because the character is sort of a big imbecile and it's and it's funny to have him sort of driving the story forward through his actions because so many of his decisions are so strange and dumb did think some of the comedy in this movie worked. I did laugh at a few things. I like the uh, spa sequence when the you know he goes and they're like twisting him in all those ridiculous positions and you know and they're cleaning him with giant toothbrushes and it's. I thought that was actually pretty hysterical. There are a few other things I thought was funny too. Yeah, on rewatch that stood out. My my, my first viewing was like, oh my god, the first hour blew. But then the <laughs> twenty two minutes that were left, they kind of blew me away. Uh, yeah, um, we, we we got some deception on the on the behalf of the makers. We need to get out of the way first. You will see actor Lung Kayan on the poster, aka Beardy. He appears at the top of the movie. He has a fighting cameo. Yes. And I'll say that again, fighting cameo. Because this character, and I'm sure he might be in the water margin. You know, the character is called Wen Lo. But believe me, and I, I need to ruin it all for you because I know Beard is such a fan favorite. The only, the, the scene at the top of the movie and the fight scene, that's all you get from Lung Kayan. But he got, he got on the poster as well, which is so shameless. Well, that's one of the things that really threw me is they introduced this character. And also the fight is amazing. I thought that was such a great fight because his opponent has two swords and he's just got this big steel ring. Um, And it's visually very compelling and very exciting. So this character comes in to save the day 
has this amazing fight and then says to Rudah, we'll meet again and leaves. Never to appear throughout the rest of the movie. Never even to be referred to. You know, and I think that's sort of, I don't know, I want, they know they wanted to squeeze him in there, but I, I think that's kind of dishonest to close that part of the narrative for people. Because I kept waiting for him to come back. Yeah, because considering he's uh, so prominently on the poster, he's even bigger and um, bigger than uh, uh, our actual lead lead actor. You yeah. Know? Uh, so, because it's so water margin thin, if you will, it, it really has shaky foundation for most of its running time up until the hour mark. You know, we 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 sort of get the various encounters that happens as your plot described, including you know getting to live or at least uh, eat at that uh, family whose uh, who's, uh, husband or master is uh, stingy and he's going to learn a lesson yeah. being stingy. Yeah. And that's, you, you know, you get it, but it's not terribly exciting. But after a while, you come to like the fact that, as you mentioned, Lam Gai Man is uh, really well suited for this role. You expect him to be much more of an idiot akin to endless kung fu comedies and they really shape him a little bit differently Uh, he's sort of an innocent i think you know he's like an innocent in a world of treachery and you know skullduggery and it works that way and 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 certainly his physique being so burly is just tailor-made for this role elvis Choi. Who Julio recognize if you see him? He's obviously quite famous for for Sex and Sin. He's in Long of the Law, Two and Three, and so forth. He he is more trim, but he can bring a very loud and broad and uh, like yeah, irrational style to the character. A character that wants to leap into action. Like who's who's doing you wrong? I killed him. Right. <laughs> One of my favorite lines in the movie is in that spa scene where they're doing something to his head. And he goes, you're giving me cerebral paralysis. <laughs> you're making me dumb. And the and the guy says, if you were wise, you wouldn't be here in the first place. There you go. L- life lessons for us all. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know more of the fact that the movie is on a little bit of shaky, shaky ground. If you if you look back on it, slash, if you view it a second time, because it really isn't that thrilling or anything uh you know the the action is not very uh, frequent as such and uh, we are really missing our other lead actor and actually director uh, yeah chen peng he he doesn't uh, appear until very late in, in you know half an hour in 40 minutes in playing lin lin chong and you you were waiting for that sort of friendship to start forming if you if you knew of the sort of core story that they share in the water margin but for for a while it feels like more random encounters with the monk despite right. uh, you know despite being like a, a, an appealing casting choice i felt like uh, it still didn't feel very structured and that was a problem for me well, there's not that much interaction between the two, even though once Lynn is introduced, it's sort of like their alliance is taken for granted. So it's kind of like, well, this was in the book, so we don't have to explain it, you know, because so, all of a sudden they're fighting side by side. It's just a, a fait accompli, I guess, so... Everything's really fast tracked, uh, which, which yeah. again, my, my fear is a loose one, but I'm sticking by it. Is that uh, Chen Peng 
and crew, they had this idea of uh, strange things, but we need to have another movie centered around it. So the, everybody knows the water margin, right? Let's just, I'll, I'll play Lin <laughs> Chong. You like, you look like the monk. Let's just do that crap. And then uh, in a week and uh, then, then, then we'll be back yeah, here on this set for, for like a few months to do the special effects stuff and go crazy. There you go. The fun stuff. Now, do you think so many people in China have read the water margin that they would know these references? I mean, cause probably Ch- people in China read books. Unlike people in America, you couldn't get away with that, with a book adaptation. Well, the, the only fear I can put forth in terms of that, it, c- considering that movie, all men are brothers from 1993 really does this core story extensively mm. i'm thinking these characters can't be side 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 characters in the water margin they really must right. be part of the core so these characters will be recognizable therefore they chose these characters to depict and then go crazy for the last 22 minutes with their actual ideas yeah i don't know what the parallel would be in the west uh, in terms of uh, what what ca- what recognizable characters are we going to hook the audiences with and then we're going to surprise them with some crazy shit well, there's that Wizard of Oz sequel with Fryruza Balk that I think had, did a lot of very strange things. A lot of people really don't like that movie. I think mm-hmm. it was called Return to Oz. Very dark take on it with a lot of different characters. Great movie, actually, now that I think about it. I got some viewing later. Now I've talked yeah. myself into it. <laughs> yeah, check it out. You'll like it. Check it out. Uh, but but yes, uh, after they sort of ticked off some some story beats uh, involving you know the uh, uh, you know the letter of sun and uh, what what are what are they gonna do to uh, to defeat uh, the monk Ru and uh, Lin Chung? Well, then the ending happens, and I don't care if we spoil it all, but I really did not, upon first viewing, expect uh, like colorful fighters. To start to start off, I didn't expect them to load up their arsenal with uh, with uh, um, someone in a wheelchair that fights with rings. That was crazy enough. But how did it change for you, Todd? Like, uh, were, were you were you totally like, where where did this come from? Where did this creativity come from? I was yelling at the TV because it just happened. Like, now like, you start. Now here we go. No, I was very gratified by it. Like that whole sequence with the um, the wheelchair, because I was like, how are they going to work that out? Obviously, the guy's not really crippled, but he is. And he sort of slowly comes down the wheelchair and it's like, what the hell is going to happen? And then he folds the wheelchair up and the wheels come off and become these rings, which he starts throwing around. It's really ingenious. I mean, it's very cleverly choreographed it's really imaginative the transvestite thing is a little you know pretty predictable you know homophobic jokes like there's a part where he grabs lin this is all lin too he grabs the the handle of lin's sword and thinks it's his penis and he's like and then the uh the drunk guy that was pretty good but the we got to talk about well this well now. well we'll get we'll, we'll we'll get to it very very shortly i just wanted to say okay. that within the fight with the with the supposed cripple man they they have some creative uses of uh, his fan weapons there's 
also creative wire shots and you, and you got cool inclusions like deadly rings and how they use that as a weapon and the choreography is really nice and fluid and the content is unpredictable which is how it cuts together really well and uh, even though it has you know a large focus on crotch takedowns there's a lot of people getting stabbed in the crotch in this movie that's a big motif but but you really at the point where this all happens you you realize that Lam Kai Man has he continues to make the character his own he's he seems unbeatable he's big burly he's he's efficient he's not a buffoon so having these fights side by side is all fun but but then when you come to the you know the main main highlight Todd anyone can have a nutty idea but even on a low budget I said this in the prior review even on a low budget you need to put departments to work you need to put makeup and department to work stunt coordinators to work and you need to have a director in this case our on-screen actor as well Chen Peng organize this because otherwise this would have been limp and laughable and really as B as it is it's really capable but I'm gonna let you describe in your own words uh, uh what what happens when uh something is uh born out of something else i guess <laughs> who do we mean well there's a there's a zombie i mean i think it's important to also say that uh they established kind of a mystery they're saying you know we're sending four killers one comes in a cask one comes in a coffin one comes in a cask because he's a drunk fighter and the other one comes in a coffin because he's dead so you're like, wow, what the hell is this? Classic uh, Chinese literature. Yeah. And then, so finally, when the it's a zombie, and it's like a very decayed zombie. I'm a fan of zombie movies, or I was until, like, everybody, his brother was making them. And, you know, in zombie among zombie fandoms, there's always these debates. What's better, fast zombies or slow zombies, man-eating zombies, or, you know, what? But this zombie has has a uh, a gimmick that I had never seen before in that he picks the maggots off his face and throws them into the face of the person he's attacking. In fact, in one case, a maggot goes into Rudas' mouth. Um, and I'm like, yes, let's make that a new feature of zombies. They throw their, their maggots... <laughs> and worms at you even lucio fulci never did that and he had tons of maggots in his movies he yeah he he yeah they took lucio fulci one step further and i'm like hell yes i once had a concept about a zombie movie you know which i still hope one day in which the the zombies projectile vomit on people it would be called vomit zombies don't watch too many Taiwanese movies then because you might encounter that idea. <laughs> yeah, I probably will. Yeah, I probably will. So anyway, yeah. There's, so there's that. And then they kill... You want me to go on? Sure, sure. Until the... rattle, rattle off uh, your notes enthusiastically. So then they kill the zombie. And then the zombie's stomach starts swelling and becoming distended. And you know there's something in there. It's like, what is it? And then finally, these very phallic puppet worms with fangs, little faces on them, 
pop out and it's just so delightful and they're like talking they're the, like the I'm water margin people welcome to the water margin <laughs> yeah exactly a classic of chinese literature I, i'm willing to bet like a buck that this wasn't in the water margin Todd. i'm just sort of making a sort of a daring prediction here yeah i think yeah i think i yeah i would lay money on that actually but yeah and it's so great they're these little almost muppets and like hang on hang on why why is this acceptable rather than unacceptable because it's really it's not that much it's not refined filmmaking it's clear what they're doing but why why does it work you think is it the energy that they provide it's it's hilarious it's hysterical and it is such a left turn from everything that's gone on before it's like now we're doing this you know it's like screw you audience screw you narrative consistency we're doing this you know, so I admired the chutzpah of it, but also it was really well done. It was it reminded me of Gremlins or something like that. And then at some point, the, one of the there's just two of them, and one of the worms like you know kind of crawls up over um, Rudah's shoulder and goes, "Daddy." <laughs> yes, it talks. It talks. Yes. Yeah, it talks, and it's insane. And he really terrorizes the monk for a good five, ten, five minutes while uh, Chen Peng's character has his own traditional fight going on on the other side of the stage. He's having what is really the climactic fight while Ruda is fighting the worms. And they bite his feet. And of course they bite his crotch. You know, got to cover that. Got to have some crotch damage. Amazing. This movie just goes insane in the last 20 minutes, and it's so joyous because you've kind of slogged through a lot to get there. He really didn't seem that uh, competent to sort of bring the water margin to life, which is the traditional narrative. No, but no. He clearly, where he, you got to credit the director for for just delighting with this. It's not like we were desperate for content. It's just that this is delightful and odd and... And uh, I don't know, uniquely Taiwanese, I don't know, but for some reason I couldn't imagine a Hong Kong movie going this far, for some reason. Puppet vampire worms that talk. Gone with the wind, same thing. Puppet worms, you know, biting Clark Gable in the crotch. <laughs> you've, you've made that movie even more of a classic. I'm, I'm glad you were able to stick with it, because I didn't sell this as... Uh, as enticing all the way through. I sold this as wait for it, kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, well, you said something about alien monsters, but they, well, maybe they were aliens, but they came out of a a, a former person's st- stomach. So I don't know what they were. It it, it also looks like, um, slightly like the, uh, I think he had a name, the, the, the little, uh, the monster from Brain Damage that also talked. Uh, oh, right. Yes. Kind of look like that. I don't know if brain damage was actually later than 83 or 84. It probably wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. Or Basket Case, Belial from Basket Case a little bit. But still, they, 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 it's articulate to an enough degree. They put some slime on it to make it you know glow as the lights hit it. It's the old tra- trauma method. It's not shoddy. It's not really shoddy. You just have to like that this, this is here, I suppose, that this is a choice, you know. Yeah, I mean, and it's, you really kind of have to work for it. Yeah, I would not, I may, you know, if I was just watching this film on a lark, I might have turned it off well before this happened. So be forewarned. But 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 at least it's uh, so, sort of 
consistent from the hour mark and onwards this is all it's preoccupied with it's not like it cuts back to the sort of plot beats from the water margin but no it has shed that yeah and they just go let's go at one point you exactly know. throw the book away <laughs> we don't need it anymore <laughs> right right so uh the the, the english uh, title is so uh, absurdly generic compared to what we get yeah the title is kind of was a turn off for me you know because it was so needlessly wordy what's that what does that even mean the legend of all men are brothers gotta sell it somehow <laughs> so yeah exactly the legend you know there, there, there is another title and i'll, I'll give that in the availability section uh, the only version on disc that i could find is in all likelihood an unofficial one from ground zero or xenon or xenon or whatever the, the company is but they do feature a decent enough widescreen print in mandarin and it's english subtitle they actually have masked off the original subtitles and put new subtitles on top of it so that makes it read readable it also takes liberties i think with the dialogue there's some modern cursing in here but whatever that's a that's all good fun to say fuck at one point so i don't yeah, think that was from I the think water that's, that's something that the voice artists do to keep themselves entertained <laughs> exactly if they were to dub it indeed Rambo as in Kung Fu Wonder Child and uh, all of this it, it is a disc that you can get uh, cheap uh, the, the print is a bit stretched and also it, it's masked off so you, you, you can see the widescreen composition is a little bit off but it's all very watchable it's released not as the legend of all men are brothers uh, at least on screen they refer to it as an even with an even boring more boring title Secret of the Water Technique right yeah, that was what was on this one. Yeah. Now, I, I'm wondering, I mean, I'm tempted to just recommend that, you know, our listeners watch this movie. But but I'm wondering if those scenes would have the same impact if you hadn't sat through the previous hour of the movie. Yes, I, I, I don't think this movie is complete at 82 minutes, but that's the sort of friendly invite. It's only 82 yeah. minutes. You only need to withstand 60 minutes of sometimes somewhat fun stuff, but then you got 22 minutes of all craziness, like <laughs> wall to wall. That's what they... And to be fair, there is some good stuff in the first hour. I found some of the comedy scenes actually pretty effective, and I really liked... The stars. I really like. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen um, Lam Kai Man in anything, but I really enjoyed him. Not not anything as um, sort of concept, conceptualized as this is. I mean, he, he I he just looks like token comedic presence. But here they give him uh, something more to work with. They give him something he's a fit for, not uh, like because he's fat or anything. Because he, he he's got a burly physique. Well, yeah, he looked like maybe he could play parts that Bolo Young does, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I'm surprised, though, that Xenon or Ground Zero did not bring this out as Wu-Tang versus Zombie, but... Um... Yeah, what if the whole movie... I mean, I I think if the whole movie was like that, it would exhaust you. If they started, you know, because I could tease the producer going, those worms are brilliant, start with that and keep going, and I think that would be a mistake, too, so... I'd watch it. You know, I guess I'll... <laughs> oh, I would too. So I guess, you know, in the long... In the end game, it, the movie is sort of perfect as it is because it's like an orchestration of incompetence and, and you know, not very um, sensible 
events that just explodes into madness at the end. You know, you just have to take it as it comes. What a trip it was! Uh, so uh, indeed, I, I didn't know of it either. It's, uh, it was one of it's, it was a random download, and I have no problem downloading this movie because I don't think uh, Ground Zero and Xenon or Xenon they they they're not official. I mean, this is the company that did several Chion Fat movies, but they retitled them to way different things. Like uh, the drama, the story of Vuviet was put out in a crazily crappy print as God of Killers and like <laughs> Hong Kong Corruptor and all that kind of shit. So come on. Uh, like yeah. Chow exploitation in that case, you know. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So I, I have no problem downloading their product because of. Uh, the crap that they've given us. In this case, it was uh, very watchable because of the um, technical specs in uh, being widescreen and subtitled. So, and if you like poop jokes, there's a lot of those mm-hmm. too. Well, uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it uh, in uh, in the fashion that you did, and uh, we'll uh, we'll continue our exploration of uh, Taiwanese cinema, our uh, our particular particular way with our particular set of skills so um yeah so we're gonna finish this one off i have plans for uh speaking of yukari oshima i was reminded of the fact that we kind of need to talk of uh, uh, the action comedy a book of heroes if you haven't seen it i have not that's i'd like to do that first movie and she's oh okay uh, she's terrific in it it's a terrific action comedy and also but it's by director Chu Yanping of Fantasy Mission Force fame, and Ooh, so so in between yeah. that stuff, it's also a bearable, broad Taiwanese comedy. It's not as crazy as Fantasy Mission Force, but it's uh, pretty kick-ass. And uh, in terms of a fighting showcase, it's um, it's top-notch. It really is. So uh, a book of heroes is good fun, and maybe that Lin Xiaolu movie, a heroic fight where she um, she's part of that stunt stunt family. Maybe we'll oh, com- that'd be great. Double those two, indeed. I like it. Uh, so I, I think um, a, a heroic fight. I might be wrong, but I don't care. I think it's from the director of Chilo Peach, or at least action directed by him. Uh, I think that may yeah. I think that may be true. That seems familiar from the HKMDB listing. So 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 we got some um, reliable casting crew to look at but uh, in the meantime we are going to finish this one off and uh, for all your podcast on fire network needs including the back catalog of taiwan noir go to podcastonfire.com and check out all our other social media links and relevant links connected to this episode in the show post so i'm going to keep my plugs short and you can do whatever the hell you like with your plug plugging section because the floor is yours my friend okay uh, well as i always say just uh just go to my blog Die Danger Die Die Kill dot dot com. Head over to the handy uh, sidebar on the right hand side. You'll see links to my where you can buy my books. You know my webcam. No, that's that's a joke. Um, <laughs> my email my email password is up there, so yeah, exactly. you can all have a look. My my social security number, um, various nude photos. Um, you know, and about my radio show, Pop Offensive, which is actually, well, I won't say that because I don't know when this will go online. But it's every, it's the last Wednesday of every month, a two-hour show where I play uh, catchy, danceable pop music from all around the world and all across the timeline. It's a really fun show. And my podcast, you know, all that stuff. 
Uh, cool, my friend. Links to all of that will be available. In the meantime, I've been Kenobi and uh, we are going to continue this uh, train of finding whatever kind of Taiwanese movies we like to talk about. We're the most happy when we talk of uh, the nuttier ones and uh, we'll continue that to uh, ride that train and uh, provide you with some recommendations. Hope you take them on. But in the meantime, I've been Kenobi and with me was, as always, the multimedia man, Todd Statman. So say goodbye, buddy. I've been Todd Statman. Thank you for listening so long, everybody. Hear you next time. Or you'll hear me next time. Go, go pick up the water margin and find us the section where the, uh, we, where the alien about, about the, the worms, worms and stuff. And yeah, so the alien prove worms. us yeah. wrong. Yeah, we'll give you some kind of prize. Yes. It was in there. <laughs> that would be amazing if there actually was a reference to an adventure like that in the water margin. Like, damn it. It well, actually, there really was, you know, some nerd will, like, call us out on Facebook or something like that. I'd be happy for that to happen. <laughs> then then All Men Are Brothers, in this case, would be a very thorough adaptation, as it turned out. You know, wow, they did their work. <laughs> mm-hmm.